0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to I Don't Get It! The pop culture get-off-my-lawn cast, wherein two early 40s curmudgeons stare down the prospect of their entertainment irrelevance, and boy, it's coming on fast. I am your co-host. My name is Noah Tarno. You know me, you love me from The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. And with me, as he always is, with me in spirit and via technology... And that's important to our topic today, isn't it, sir? Uh, With me is Mr. Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises. Bill, hello.
1: I'm not only with you, I'm actually, I've been implanted into your head. Inside of you. Yes, I'm I'm inside of you. I'm just seeing the world through a dongle that you press a button on, exactly.
0: Today, we are looking at a televisual phenomenon of the past few years, currently on Netflix, previously on Channel 4 in England. Hey, Bill, like me when you think Channel 4, you think NBC, right? Growing yeah, up in I New have York to. Area. Yeah, 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 ha- Channel 4 is NBC. Naturally. Channel yes. Seven's ABC, yeah, yeah. Till till we die. Channel 13's PBS. Yes. Okay. Oh, we are talking about Black Mirror. Oh, Black Mirror. Sorry. Uh, Black Mirror, yes, as I said, was a television show created by Charlie Brooker. Uh, Charlie Brooker is a 46-year-old British man, spent the 90s as a writer about video games, and he got into TV at the turn of the millennium. Not
1: to be confused with Gary Brooker from Procol Harum, of course.
0: Oh, that's a deep cut, man. Yeah, that is there a it is. Deep,
1: there it is.
0: Deep cuts. Here's my <laughs> challenge to you. Can you spell Procol Harem? One of the hardest to spell rock band names in history. Are you asking me? I'm asking our <laughs> Yeah, I Procol Harem Podcast. Hit us
1: on Twitter if you know how to spell Procol Harem. Don't (laughs) Google it, you pricks. Don't do it.
0: Yes, don't cheat. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) Charlie Brooker, TV auteur. He did some kind of low-level zombie horror TV shows and movies. And Black Mirror was picked up by Britain's Channel 4 It first premiered in 2011 There were initially two seasons Each season was only three episodes Black Mirror is an anthology show And it has often been called a modern version of the Twilight Zone Which I think is an extremely apt comparison Uh, Every episode self-contained anthology Looks at something weird or scary or horrific uh, Usually through the lens of technology Hence the name Black Mirror Referring to the screens that so many of us stare at every day and live our lives through. Uh, so the show was a hit in England. In 2014, Netflix bought the exclusive U.S. rights to air it. And in the 2015, Netflix signed a deal with Brooker and his co-showrunner Annabelle Jones to produce two more seasons to be distributed by Netflix. So season three, which was six episodes, came out in 2016. And season four, which was also six episodes, just came out less than a month ago. And the show's been a tremendous hit. It has earned plus. Audits from the likes of Stephen King and Zadie Smith and many other people. And Brooker has been written up in The New Yorker and dozens of other places. So, Bill Scurry, what do you think of Black Mirror?
1: Yeah, this is a great show. Uh, It is perfectly of the moment. I'm I'm glad you mentioned Annabelle Jones, by the way, because a lot of people, when they talk about this show, don't talk about the Team Supreme who make it. Because they talk about Gary uh, Brooker. Gary Brooker. (laughs) <laughs> Charlie <laughs> Brooker. Charlie the more Brooker. Popular, they talk about Procol Harum, like we do. That's the really more, the more famous and popular Brooker, Gary. <laughs> no, they talk about yeah. Charlie Brooker as if he's the um, he drives herd on it, which is you know it's the myth people want to know about TV shows. But it's it's a team effort. It has been, and and Annabelle Jones has ran herd on his shows since the beginning on General Four, or wherever else they've appeared. Um, but yeah, the, there's the topicality of it, and everyone could buy into that. If the show wasn't any good, the topicality would be bullshit. Um, It has its roots in a lot of different pop culture things. Since it's British, since it is strictly British and the Brits have a steady diet of U.S. TV, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of Rod Serling in here, which seems pretty obvious. But at the same time, there's also a lot of, like, Doctor Who type shit in here, too. There's a sensibility to it that's British, in that they get to use a fair amount of sex and uh, colorful metaphors and their profanity that we don't get to use on on regular TV yet. The Netflix thing means a continuity of that, of course, that they, I'm I'm, I'm taking it based on the original Channel 4 version. Netflix, you can get away with pretty much everything. If you're trying to keep it, and Netflix, I think, has their own almost like PG-13 rating system that they try to adhere to simply out of uh, a market sense. So I don't, they don't use the word fuck a whole lot, but they will. Come right up to it. Also, they don't show full frontal. They won't show nipples. They don't show things like that. You'll notice yeah. they'll, come, they'll come very close. None of they'll those. Come very, there's some explicit stuff. In um, did you
0: see Hang the DJ in the new sure, season? Sure, yeah, yeah. Hang the DJ. Yeah, yeah. no, it comes pretty. You, uh, you they, see, yeah, you, you, you know, you see people doing it doggy style. Doggy so. style. They yeah. don't. They don't sugarcoat much stuff. So.
1: If it didn't hold up, if it didn't pass the uh, the sniff test, it wouldn't be any good. We wouldn't be talking about it. We wouldn't have as many yeah. episodes as we did. And God bless it that the-, the order for each season is still pretty small. They have not diluted yeah. it with so many episodes that it kills yeah. the brand. The new season was still only what, six episodes? Six episodes.
0: There have been nineteen episodes total.
1: That's nineteen true. episodes over the like the last four or five years. Two thousand yeah. actually more than two thousand eleven.
0: So so seven years this
1: year. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good quality yeah. control. Uh yeah. the one thing I will say if there's a qualification that comes in early is that the new season, the Netflix season, does suffer from the Netflix bloat, which is where they ask you for nearly sixteen minutes of runtime, where in the past I think that they were happy anywhere between 42 minutes and 55 minutes. So the Netflix season, or at least this most recent Netflix season, I should say, um, tends to fill out in a way that has not made it amenable to the greatest level of quality in every single episode. But we can parse that in particular later. What, What do you think? I think the show is awesome. I love this show.
0: I think the show is so good. I'm repeating myself now. I love the original Twilight Zone. I mean, there's a shit ton of episodes in that. So there's a lot of... uh, Twilight Zone, every episode is streaming on Netflix. You can watch it whenever. I mean, that was the best show on TV of its time. I mean, there's an argument to be made that Twilight Zone was the ground zero, the big bang of prestige television. Sure. If you read a lot of criticism of Twilight Zone at the time, you know, we're talking early 1960s, the co- late 50s, the concept of quality TV was foreign to people. Mm-hmm. Newspapers didn't have TV reviewers. Yeah. So people were just stunned that there was a TV show that didn't insult their intelligence. No one thought of TV as art. Yeah, Rod and Serling
1: came up, he was writing teleplays, uh, yeah. and he was doing like Requiem for a Heavyweight, things that right. were sort of episodic, almost like playwrighty type stuff.
0: And he was getting fired from some of these jobs because he stuck by his guns because yeah, he was yeah. a creative force. He wanted to do art on TV and people just couldn't wrap their heads around that. And what was great about, well, several things are great about the Twilight Zone. There's what people remember that there were fun, scary stories, you know, the, the things people liked about the outer limits to monsters and weird stuff and, and, and spookiness and all that. And I, I think the comparison, the Black Mirror is the modern Twilight Zone is very apt because to generalize... What Twilight Zone was about was it was confronting the fears of the moment, the Cold War being the largest one. I mean, one of the episodes everyone always remembers is Burgess Meredith. And, you know, he's in the bank vault. Mr. Bemis, of course. sure, Yeah, exactly. So those episodes a lot were about the Cold War, but less specifically, they were about, you know, uh, urbanization and what the 20th century was doing to America. And, you know, the, the very first glimmers of multiculturalism and things like that. So. It was of the time. It was exposing our fears and our paranoias and making stories about them and doing what science fiction, I always thought its root, is intended to do, which is metaphorized, to use a very ugly word, uh, the fears inside of ourselves that we can't always express. So therefore, Black Mirror is in many ways the same in that it is serving the same function but for our fears right now. We're not afraid of Cold War fears anymore, although... We're getting to be again, but Black Mirror focuses more specifically on technology and what technology is doing to us. Yeah. hence the name Black Mirror. It's it's monotopic
1: think, in that in that respect, you know. Well,
0: yeah, but it but but technology looms so large in our life that you can be monotopic and still have a broad range of topics. Now, I think it's important to say the show isn't about tech. Well, it's about technology, but it's about what technology does to us, and what I think really makes the show. Really special, and perhaps all told, better than the Twilight Zone, at least on average, is that pretty much every episode has a heart behind it and is about interpersonal relationships and isn't just, ooh, look at these machines and what they're doing to us. Beneath every little gimmick, and by the way, I don't think we've mentioned that most of these episodes are kind of set in some indeterminate near future. Most of these episodes show a technology, a level of technology that we're not quite at yet. All like, but, maybe all but two of them. Years.
1: All but two of them, I should say. But yes, you're well, right.
0: Well, the national anthem, the one with the pig, could uh-huh. be. There's no, there's nothing advanced technology there. But yeah, pretty much all of them do. But there's a relationship underpinning each and every one, and I really realized that when I was sort of listing, like, okay, which are my favorite episodes and which are the ones I like the most. They are the ones invariably that speak to technological issues that I think about a lot. And I worry about, you know, Brooker comes from the world of video games. I'm not a video gamer. I've never been into video games. I don't think about video games. So it's natural that he has some episodes about video games, play test,
1: the one with
0: Kurt Russell and uh, Goldie Hawn's son. And, you know, the short version, he's play testing a new, very immersive video game and things go wrong. (laughs) Um, And I liked it. It was scary and it was well acted and all that, but it, it didn't affect me the way uh my favorite episode nosedive the one with bryce dallas howard who by the way yes her dad's ron howard but she is very talented uh that one is sort of what if facebook really controlled our lives uh that's my favorite episode and partly because that's something i think about a lot about what social media is doing to myself and all of us in terms of our Friends and romances and relationships and popularity and power and influence and all that. It really attests to how every episode has this heart to it, this relationship (laughs) underpinning it. This this makes these shows really resonant. And uh, by the way, I I mentioned Bryce Dallas Howard is great. Most of these episodes benefit from fantastic performances, great acting all around. Yeah, some really superb actors. Um, I was saying before we recorded another one of my favorite episodes, "Hated in the Nation." which is also about social media, the one with uh, little robotic bees causing trouble murdering people. The star of that is Kelly MacDonald, who I know from Boardwalk Empire. And um, she and I are in love and we're running away together and there's nothing you can do to stop us. But, you know, part of it is she's a fantastic actress and she's drop dead gorgeous no you're not wrong like there there is
1: kind of a feeder system here where you know eventually i feel like american tv and movies wind up profiting from all the english actors who get regurgitated uh out of the uh, british tv system and they wind up affecting piss poor accents and showing up on abc and hbo and showtime and in our films and playing well well, what's it you like
0: to make fun of the guy in the walking dead right
1: all of the guys, Andrew Lincoln is terrible. Any anybody Wait, who's ever he, showed he, ever, up?
0: is everyone on that show English? I thought only he was.
1: No, there's a lot. Most everybody yeah, on that show know. was English, for or at least. But a, his
0: his his Kentucky accent or whatever is pretty.
1: Bad. But this show has the benefit of. I mean, even I scan the airwaves looking for actors. Years before they break, I have a pretty encyclopedic IMDB knowledge in my head of people. I begin making a uh, inventory, a card catalog, if you will, of talent. When I see them. And this show was the first place that I saw a bunch of people pop up that wound up, in fact, seeding movies and TV for the last five years. That the episode, The Entire History of You, uh, where you were able to pretty much go through a time machine backup of whatever it is you remember and look through Your it. Memories. Yeah. The two lead actors in that one, the lead was Toby Kebble, who was a fucking monster in, uh, what was it? Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet, the second one. Right, he, I forgot about that. Yeah, All he right. did. He did a mocap role uh, as Koba the ape, and and it was a nonverbal performance. He was so good. He did the same thing that uh, Andy Circus did, and matched him punch for punch as an as an ape who can't speak, and it was so good. And then, unfortunately for him, he showed up in the uh, Fantastic Four movie as Doctor Doom, but. <laughs> I, I can't blame him for taking the money because, yeah. And, 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 and another you kidding movie, me? Yeah, exactly. But in that episode, the entire history of you, the, the female co-star is Jodie Whittaker, who just became Doctor Who like she popped up in that episode. So you want to talk about pin hooking talent. That's insane. Yeah. Haley Atwell was in Be Right Back with Dom Gleeson, yeah. you know, who's yeah. in fucking Star Wars now. I mean, yeah. Dom Gleeson already had a pretty well-established career in movies by that point. But, you know, that's a big deal. The the acting pool that these guys get, um, the guy really who good. played the yeah, the guy who played the prime minister in National Anthem was yeah. um I've uh, seen him
0: in some stuff. I don't know what
1: Oh yeah, his name is uh, uh, Rory Kinnear, and right. he's a, he's an English stage actor, and he's really good. I mean, I saw him; yeah. he was he's, he was the um, I would say the police chief in in Sherlock. So it's not the first place I saw him, but he got to sort of perfect. And he showed up in the James Bond movies for Christ's sake. It's well, like he wounds up he winds up being. One of the station chiefs in uh, Daniel Craig's James Bond. So this is a feeder system.
0: One of the episodes I thought a great casting this season. There's one USS Callister, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a Star Trek yeah. take, and is funnier than most other episodes, but it has a real dark element to it. And mostly an American cast. And the lead, the faux Captain Kirk, is um, Jesse, Jesse Plemons, Plemons who. Yeah. I know from Breaking Bad, I think he looks so much like Matt Damon.
1: Everybody does, So I
0: kind of thought it would limit his career. And then the female lead is Kristen Milioti,
1: who so good. She is so good. How I Met Your Mother, Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. I met
0: her once, and I had a little crush on her.
1: You want to know a great testimony for this show is the fact that I would guarantee you Jordan Peele plucked Daniel Kaluuya— uh, out
0: of, yes, out of that... Uh, not that it's the only thing season.
1: he ever did. Yeah, yeah exactly. But it's yeah. like, that's a big movie and that's a big role. Yeah. And I didn't love that episode, though. No, actually, that's the one I like the least. I, that is my yeah. favorite. I, I borderline hate the episode. I actually... Like you said, you just think they're okay or good. I actually do yeah. not like that episode. Really, you hate... I,
0: well, one of my problems with that episode, a few things. One, he did not impress me as an actor in that episode. He impressed me in Get Out. He didn't impress me in that episode. Also, that episode possibly more than any other episode, is set in a very different world than ours. Mm. Not five years from now or ten years from now. That's Mm. like, you know, 50 years from now.
1: That's a cartoon dungeon world. Yeah, that's Tron. It's something fucked up, yeah.
0: So I, I found it hard to wrap my mind around it. Speaking of which, the episode that invariably people love the most and it won the most awards or whatever is the episode San Junipero. Yeah. which is about two women who fall in love, and then I didn't love it.
1: Didn't love it and, either, yeah.
0: Well, I had a few problems with it. One, I had trouble understanding it, so I kind of want to go back and watch it again. Because I, I, these episodes, by the way, have incredible rewatchability factor. Because mm. once you know, you know, so many of them have twists at the end, as is... The way these things happen, Twilight Zone was like that. Like I said, like the video game themed ones, Playtest and USS Callister, the Star Trek one also is a video game theme, uh, didn't connect with me. But Sandra DiPero, because it's a love story and I'm not in love with anyone, uh, and you know, that hasn't been the pattern of my life, uh, doesn't speak to me as much as, you know, Facebook alienates me. Yeah, uh, I'm afraid that uh, clowns are going to take over governments and it's going <laughs> to lead to apocalypse. These are the things that keep me up at night. But this is a big day, a big life day. And I want my oldest friend with me, my oldest friend. I want you by my side. Oh, my God. Thank you. What do I have to... Not much to it. A speech, mainly. speech, of
1: course. Mm-hmm. How big is the crowd? Oh, my gosh, like hundreds. It's a crazy guest list. I'll send in now.
0: Paul's invited so many, I don't want to call them big deals, but they're all like 4.7 or above. Uh Huh?
1: Let me ask you, my intrepid co-host, Noah Tarno, why is this popular?
0: Well, I think we've already answered that question and that everyone with any thought at all, any thoughtful person is at least mildly worried about what this technology is doing to us and where it's taking us and how it's affecting our relationships. So they are touching a very sensitive nerve in 2018. And then, as we also referred to, it's it's high quality. It's It's rooted in real emotional relationships. It's well acted, it's well directed, it's well written. I think the twists are important you know, in a very Twilight Zone anthology tradition, most of the episodes have surprise endings. And I, by the way, I never see surprise endings coming. I never predict that shit. I'm always taken by surprise. So I'm, 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 I'm a cheat date when it comes to to twist (laughs) endings. Even Um, when,
1: even when you're looking for them, even when you know that I mean, Jesus,
0: I, you know, I think that the twists are very well done and that's, You know, like I said, I want to watch it again. White Bear. White Bear is an interesting one. White Bear. I don't want to give away the ending because I totally didn't see that coming. And frankly, I think. It was, I don't want to say it was the SX Machina, but I think it's very hard to see that coming.
1: Some of the weaker um, ones to me, but I understand.
0: Uh, it it was not as good the second time.
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't seem to dumbify or uh, assume that an audience can't handle a thing, which is in its right. own way a little reassuring, too. It's kind of cool By the way.
0: By the way, it also, this show has nerve. It is very brave. You know, there are stories that Brooker was turned down. No one likes an anthology. those Those don't work, which I think is... I mean, I feel like in this day and age when people don't watch TV, you know, when TV tells them to, they watch it whenever they want. You want episodes that are self-contained.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah.
0: There's that. And two, apparently the first episode, uh, I mean, I could tell you the plot doesn't give much away. National Anthem, the Prime Minister, uh, Rory Kinnear, basically the Princess of England, fictional princess, of course, is kidnapped. And the kidnappers' demands are, we will kill her unless the prime minister goes on TV and has live, has unsimulated sex with a live pick. And you can imagine what a TV executive said when they proposed that. It works on every level. And it's played straight. It's not a comedy yeah. at well, all. The
1: actors were great. I mean, it had yeah. it had cream of the crop BBC guys at that point on that episode. It takes yeah. a
0: chance. This is the way anything new happens in entertainment. I've said it a million times in the show. At least in America, show business The people who pull the strings, the people with power in show business, are the most conservative people in the country. I don't mean conservative right wing. I mean conservative afraid to take a chance. They never move anything forward. The only way things move forward is some weirdo, e.g. Charlie Brooker, sneaks in under the radar, somehow gets his foot in the door. His thing catches on. Everyone loves it. And then everyone else jumps in the bandwagon. That's the only way things move forward. The Beatles were turned down by 10 uh, by, uh, by ten record labels. Uh, HBO turned down Mad Men. This is how things move forward. It'll never work. Well, th- I'm going to try it anyway. And some weirdo notices and then everyone loves it and everyone jumps in the bandwagon.
1: Like, for instance, CBS goes and greenlights a new uh, edition of Twilight Zone, which it still owns the rights yeah. to. And it asked Jordan Peele to run H.E.R.D. on it.
0: And well, that is that was a smart move on their part.
1: But it's reactionary. Like, Not only yes, is it, it is. conservative, it's reactionary because CBS realizes, oh, we already have our own version of Black Mirror in the hopper. We have rights we don't have to pay for. All we got to do is go make a cheapy version of it. And they're going to release it on all access the website that they're throwing Star Trek Discovery out on. And tell me that Daniel Kaluuya influenced the making of Get Out and then Jordan Peele gets to come back to Daniel Kaluuya territory from whence he came by being the executive producer of *Twilight Zone* for CBS, which will be given an early grave on their back end. Look, that—that's—that's that's neither here nor there. But it—well, it depend- well,
0: I think the, the getting Jordan Peele gives it a better chance of being yes, good. Yes, it does. They could be- get some. You know, it's like the DC Marvel thing. Hey, we want our own Joss Whedon. Let's get Zack Snyder. All right, you missed the point. It's—it's. <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, uh, based on *Get Out*, Jordan Peele, their odds are decent that this show might actually be good.
1: Let me give you another another auspices uh, of why this might be popular. I'll tell you what happened. My viewing experience was I had heard of this through the coconut internet to, to paraphrase Lost. I'd heard about it banging around that there was a show Black Mirror. And TV nerds who go and, uh, you know, they go and pirate shows from the UK had said this was like a thing. And a bunch of podcasts I listened to, one of them was Television Television Without Pity's podcast. It's called Previously.TV, Extra Hot Great. They did um, a couple of episodes, Lights said, Jesus, this sounds great. And it's like, where do you get it? And it's like, well, you got to go rip it off. It's only available on the torrents. There's no legal way to get it. And, you know, there's obviously not even no way to pay for it. So if you steal it off the torrents. There's no victim. I said, "Oh fuck! I'm gonna I'm gonna go grab a bunch of these." And so I saw a couple off the torrents. I'm like, "Holy shit! This is great!" Much like Catastrophe season one and two, and there was another show, Humans, and there was a couple of other BBC shows that I went and grabbed them off the torrents and watched them like a year and a half before they finally came to American TV, whether it was through BBC or AMC or or, or some other syndication deal. I got to watch Black Mirror season one and two, I guess it was the six episodes, a year before they hit American TV. Uh, I well, think. look was, at you, Mr. Fancy. Well, this is the thing. It's like I wasn't thinking of it like I'm beating the crowd. It was merely I was looking for the cutting edge of TV, something that wasn't available. And it just looked like, oh, much like the BBC and and, and TV4 and, and, and ITV and all these different channels, Channel 4 and ITV rather, have all these cool shows that are great. And a lot of them are... They put on a lot of garbage, but they put on a lot of shit that's better than American TV. Again, Catastrophe started on Channel 4. No, ITV. I forget which one of them. One of the two. doesn't matter. But I watched Catastrophe before I knew it was coming to America. And, like, that's an incredible show. And it it was an incredible show from the jump. And there was no guarantee you were going to get it. And so getting the chance to see Black Mirror on the torrents, on on boosted versions, was like the cool kids club a little bit. Because anyone who knew what it was had a little secret language of, shit, did you watch the pig fucking show? And it's like, yeah, we all watched the pig (laughs) fucking show. What Susanna says next, it concerns you directly, sir. Just play it. There is only one demand. And it is a simple
0: one. At 4 p.m. this afternoon, Prime Minister Michael Callow
1: must appear on live British television on all networks, terrestrial and satellite. And, no. and have enough full, sexual intercourse with a pig.
0: Would we like this if we were kids? So we like it now. We're forty. We're forty-two year old men. We like it now. Um, would we? Well, I mean. Do you think young people like this?
1: Yes, absolutely I mean, they do.
0: It, it, I mean, you know, that, that's sort of a question we sort of assume with every topic we look at at the show, but you think they definitely do. Yeah, I
1: think they you definitely do. You think
0: teenagers do. watch this?
1: I do. Uh, absolutely. First of all, it's Netflix which is half the battle. It's part of the Netflix smorgasbord, the sort of a giant, gigantic anonymous buffet of, of, uh, of shit that's out there to watch. So they definitely watch it, that's for sure. The numbers are extremely balkanized. Could not tell you what they are because Netflix doesn't, but it's buzzy. I mean, we're talking about something that's buzzy and that's <laughs> kind of all that matters. And... But but it's like, would you like it if you were a kid? I definitely would like it for all the reasons I said. Oh this yeah, is, me too. This is this is an unflinching show. It it presents to the fourteen year old viewer, just to pluck you know an age out of my asshole. It gives that person an ultimately dark, uh, misanthropic, uh, weird. Despondent view of a lot of things, shot through with some sense of hope in most cases. But there's a lot of dusk and a lot of obsidian to uh, cut through before you get to any kind of bright side. And for that reason, I mean, also, it it goes about its job in a very brutal, unsparing way with the photography and the acting and and the choice of cinematography and the direction.
0: I agree. And I I just want to add that um, most of the episodes have unhappy endings, very dark endings. And that was something I was into as a kid. Uh, And I'm still somewhat into now, although, you know, I find myself my favorite episodes – have a little leavening thing at the end nosedive the one bryce Dallas howard about the the facebook ruling our lives thing yes. has a black humorous ending and then my favorite episode of this season for the new season probably is hang the dj uh-huh. which spoke to me because it's about uh online dating and which is something i've had some experience with although that's how you met your wife so you've had experience with it too. sure yeah yeah in the in the you know in the antediluvian era of online gaming <laughs> um i like that and the ending was i don't know if hopeful's the word but so it's called hang the dj i'm not giving much away to say the 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 smith song panic that is you know the best known example of that phrase being used appears at the very end so it's just this great ending if you like that song it just puts a big smile on your face it's Watch the episode for a bunch of reasons, but the ending is the best part. So I find myself liking the happy endings. I would have loved this as a kid. I liked The Twilight Zone as a kid. And I like the weirdness. I like the spookiness, the scariness. And I think it would have spoken to me on a intellectual slash faux intellectual level. It would have made me feel smarter. Mm-hmm. And that was something I really... Wanted as a teenager. So you know,
1: Shyamalan um, makes people think they're smart.
0: So what you're saying, M Night Shyamalan? What's the connection?
1: Uh, no. Shyamalan makes people feel like they're smart when they go and watch yeah, like The Happening, and they don't understand that. Uh, oh, it's like oh, it's the trees are blowing poison gas at people, and that's why Mark, uh, you know, Wahlberg crushed the, he crushed the, the 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 truck into the tree, and it's like no, this is stupid. This is dumb. <laughs> uh, or oh, the, man, the, the, I, have you seen The Village? Uh, I I've seen enough of it. The yeah, Village sure. is demented. The thing I,
0: about the village—if you describe the plot to me—I I heard it. I said that sounds cool, and then I watched it, and I'm like, I cannot believe how stupid this was.
1: It's very dumb. But yeah, it, it makes perfect sense why this is uh, why this is saleable to kids. And again, I, I, Netflix—we were discussing uh, American Vandal uh, offline. Yes. You know, in, in terms of the smorgasbord of, of, of programs designed for for younger audiences, there is a lot of stuff that is exactly made for a—I'd say—a 14-year-old reading level, and this show. You know is perfectly in there in terms of comprehension level it's It's not trying to challenge you with the George plimpton like well, storytelling, you know
0: I actually don't think that's quite fair because I think it's more intelligent than ninety nine percent of t v uh a, a lot of these episodes you're really left wondering like what the hell is going on? what is this world we're in? What and, and then you know the good one the better one the best ones they're all good uh, it all comes together and then it coalesces
1: most of TV then is an 18 year olds reading level I mean this is 18 yeah. year olds reading level and most of TV is a 14 year olds reading level so I'll, I'll, I'll amend it to that oh my god I, we have to dance to this
0: with each other? uh huh oh no I,
1: dance floors aren't my thing
0: oh let's not limit ourselves no I can't yes you can come on no, I look dumb. My- I follow my
1: lead. So, is this show, which is explicitly more often than not about the apocalypse, an yeah. apocalypse?
0: I mean, it might be the messenger, but it's not the it's not the horseman. It might be telling us about the apocalypse that's coming, but it's an apocalypse that would be coming even if it weren't telling us about it. And uh, you know, maybe this could be construed as a criticism, but it's not. I guess you could see it as a warning. Like, hey, don't let Facebook get too far. You're going to be fucked like Bryce Dallas Howard. I mean, you could see it like that, but I think it's less warning us and more just going, yep, that's the way it is.
1: Nothing you can do about it. My two favorite episodes are, uh, unsurprisingly, American Anthem and uh, Shut Up and Dance. The two National episodes, Anthem. National Anthem, right. right. That's and, the big one, yeah. And, and, and Shut Up and sh- Dance, which is yes. an episode that just pretty much is about blackmail. It's almost nothing more than that, yeah. except it threatens to... Um, kibosh these two people's lives by pretty much uh throwing their porn records and, and worse yeah. in some cases that it doesn't just skirt on illegality i believe it was almost like pederasty in, in one of the two main don't characters don't case. give don't give anything away um but neither of those episodes had anything to do with a app or a dongle or or a, you know some sort of spinal implant yes. they were that just, episode
0: could exist in our current world today
1: yeah, both National Anthem and that one. And yeah. and that's why I liked it the most is because I thought that there was in the pure Rod Serling sense of what goes wrong with technology in in a in a large T way. That to, those to me were the two um almost like standard bearers for the for the uh, hypothesis, almost like Charlie Brooker thinking of the slickest way to navigate it. If you take away the um, handicap of having of just saying, "Oh, this is a headband that gets into your head," or it's a uh, you know it's a program that could uh, read your dreams that, that really made him think. The idea of whether it's an apocalypse or not, I would say that if it keeps predicting. Things that happen horribly, whether it is a prime minister fucking a pig in the mouth or if it's somebody who can be blackmailed. That's not the horrible thing in it. Well, no, it's not. But I am just saying it's like it it somehow got the detail correct. Yeah, the world can be made such that exactly a pig fucking is in your future. It's imminent. In fact, it's coming your way. I hate to tell you this, but... uh. There's a great
0: line in National Anthem that... (laughs) in its simplicity, sums up the whole thing. The kidnapper sends a threat as a video and says, you know, you need to fuck the pig or we'll uh, we'll, we'll kill the princess. And the prime minister says, all right, well, we need to make sure this video, you know, the press doesn't get it. And someone says, well, it's already been watched. Someone uploaded it to YouTube and it's been watched 10,000 times. The prime minister says, fucking internet. (laughs) And it really sums up a lot of (laughs) what the
1: show's about.
0: No sensation at all.
1: Can't even shit. Can't even have the basic fucking pleasure of pushing out a shit. Oh, I'm mistaken, shit. Okay. Stealing my pussy is a red fucking line. Is your bitter loathing, your absolute <laughs> volcanic dislike of this show, based in horrific, acrid jealousy from the bottom of your pitted soul? No, it's not.
0: As you know, whenever we tackle a topic on the show that we don't hate and we have, you know, maybe a third of the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, last last time we looked at athleisure and we fucking despise that. Yeah, sure. Uh, So, you know, this question always gets an N slash A. But I will say this uh, today. I was in prep for this. I was rereading the New Yorker uh, article when the third season of Black Mirror came out and it was about Black Mirror. It was largely just a profile of Brooker. And uh, as much as I like the show and think he's, you know, I, I'm I'm a fan, I want to see what he does next, blah, 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 I am very jealous of him because the article makes a point of saying in his 20s he was going nowhere and he wanted to write for TV but didn't know how to get in and no one paid attention to him. And there's this little point like he was so depressed he turned his TV on the side so he could watch it without lifting his head from the couch. <laughs> so there's jealousy because I've had a lot of moments like that in my life but, uh-huh. you know. In my early 40s, I didn't magically... Uh, my art didn't magically get discovered and loved and all that. So, so there's, there's definitely... I am jealous of Charlie Brooker, but whatever. He's a talented guy. He earned it, so...
1: Ricky Gervais has a similar story, too. Uh, Ricky Gervais was uh, stumbling around for years as a, a songwriter in a new wave knockoff band. And, I mean, go look for the pictures of him. If you haven't yeah, seen, seen him that. in si- seen Shona Dancing, by the way, Google that shit. It's great. Um, but but he was a was a radio host until he came up with a spec script with Stephen Merchant for the office. And it wasn't supposed to succeed, and yet the Brits, even Simon fucking Cowell, all these guys, Simon Cowell was a little different because he was, like, born with a silver spoon in his mouth. But he got to fuck around and fail a thousand times and not do anything until he did the biggest thing in the universe. That Those kind of stories don't happen in the United States. For some reason, those are almost exclusively Brit stories. Now, granted, those are three stories of—or of, two or three stories of, like, white men— exercising their privilege at such a thing, and it doesn't happen for everybody, but it is almost becoming like a creation myth out of England in pop culture that I've noticed that we and the States don't necessarily get to have, where if you don't strike the iron when you're 23, you can pretty much kiss your ass goodbye. And that, you know, well
0: what were you talking oh we were talking about Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, he's a similar story. He tried it as a stand-up in his twenties, he failed. He had a wife and kids and became an aluminum siding salesman, tried it again in his forties, and he became the greatest stand-up ever. And you know, here I am still plugging away at my thing and a little dream that I'll get discovered still in my forties, but you know, I'm not I'm not hanging my hat on that.
1: So so I don't know, are you jealous at all? I am not jealous of this. No, I mean I don't have any there's nothing parallel to um Uh, to say that this is uh, uh, something that is a rival to an idea I had or a way in which he came up. I mean, Charlie Brooker was just an English name. Gary Brooker I'm very jealous in because (laughs) Whiter Shade of Pale is just one of the greatest rock classics of all time. Yeah, but but Gary Brooker and Annabelle Jones, uh, came, <laughs> they they came up with something that there was hunger for, and yeah. and you, you intimated it earlier, and this is another good point that I'm glad we can come back to around now. Which is the anthology TV show had been said was you know as dead as dead yeah, could but, possibly be, and those fucking assholes who run TV just essentially say we're not going to do a whole thing that used to be a vibrant form of art yeah, simply because, because we can't imagine doing it today. Now they don't want
0: to be the person to take a chance. Yeah,
1: it, it's it's a complete failure. It'll never work until it, one of them works and we're all doing it. Every every right, single yeah. person and is jumps getting in into the it.
0: fucking bandwagon.
1: Well, I think that uh,
0: that covered covered
1: it. Then. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've yeah. uh, we've we've stared blotto into our black mirrors and uh, sort of come up with a pretty good hypothesis here what the deal is with the show.
0: Yeah. What All is right. the deal with the show? All right. Walk well, us out, Mr. Scurry.
1: If you want to find past episodes, we have at least thirty-five or so of these things backed are up.
0: Are we really at thirty-five now?
1: Something like that, yeah. Damn. Uh, we are on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Stitcher, tweet to us, Noah and Bill show. Write to us at Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Visit I Don't Get It Podcast. Give us a review and one bit of housekeeping. I am actually uh, traveling for a couple of weeks, so we are going to miss at least two if not three weeks before we give you our next episode. This is just an an inclement thing. So uh, technically, if you want to let me hear of it, uh, I am at William Scurry on Twitter, always on, sound off, let me hear about it. And Mr. Noah Tarno is at Noah Tarno and other things, which he will tell you about. Yeah, uh,
0: as always, I am all about the big quiz thing. America's Providers of Corporate and Private Trivia Events. The uh, first, the biggest off- and the first. <laughs> well, yeah, well, the best. Let's let's leave it at the best. Yeah. Uh, 2018, off to a rip-roaring start. We're busy, man, making it happen. Uh, learn more at bigquizthing.com, hire us for your corporate private event, etc., etc. Uh, yes, please tweet at us and write about us. We had a response on Facebook from Caitlin Harrison. Uh, she argued with our at leisure episode because leggings are comfortable. and she is a professional welder. She works with her hands, so she's like leggings are you know practical and also she's a small woman, so she has trouble getting you know women's clothes. Traditional women's clothes that fit in her style, her size, rather. So she she pushed back forcefully. But yeah, we but like that. We like yeah, those arguments because, right, as right. we admit, we, we don't know jack shit. So tell uh, us I heard we're wrong.
1: Marie Mandaka had said that yes, yes, functionally, she wore leggings to do uh, a lot of uh, scut work at a volunteer job with the animals. Which all right, per- but
0: I think. I think our point was that people wear it not to do volunteer work. Yes. And And not to be welders. Every single time. They wear it to like fucking get brunch. And that was our problem.
1: Yeah, my thing was that people are wearing it, to they're doing cosplay of a gym goer. That's what I, (laughs) that's the anger I had was that it's like, this is not just being functional. This is obviously some woman who did all her makeup and was just going out to fucking, uh, you know, the coffee shop to get a piece of pound cake. And it's like, you're not fooling me. So
0: Caitlin, you are fully just in wearing leggings. Yeah, she welds shit for a living. That's cool.
1: That's, That's dope. That's very cool. Very That's impressive. That's pretty cool. That's a Black Mirror yeah. episode involving leggings, correct, for sure. Yeah.
0: All right. We'll see you next time on I, I don't, don't Get it. it. Gary Brooker. I Don't Get It. A production of American Caesar Enterprises, 2018.